Welcome to Liz Talks. I'm Liz, and I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and best-selling author of the book, Eat the Yolks. But here, I'm 0% professional and 100% mom, friend, question asker, verbal processor, and overanalyzer. I'm so glad you're here to talk it all out with me in this season of Liz Talks. Remember, this is a podcast about thoughts, feelings, and opinions, and I definitely do not give individual, personal, or medical advice. Hello, friends. It's me, Liz, coming at you directly from what actually looks to be a busted nap time. So apologies in advance if this is a short one. I guess a lot of these are becoming a little bit shorter, and I've talked about that forever, making these a little bit quicker kind of carpool line type episodes. I talked about that at the very beginning, and then they got longer, and now they're kind of getting shorter again. We're figuring it all out. It's a process, right? Life, it's a journey. It's not a destination. So let's hope this one stays asleep because we are right on the edge of not taking naps anymore. And it is rough stuff. All right, on to spot number one. As part of my growing interest in the mechanical, physical ways we can take care of ourselves, and that part of that is getting my certified personal trainer certification. Part of that is the way I move my body on a daily basis and how I take note of the different ways we can sort of mechanically stimulate our bodies. You know, I've immersed myself in the nutrition world in the past. I've immersed myself in the clean beauty world, in the family, parenting, and babies world, and I'm now really immersing myself in that movement, motion, and biomechanics world, sort of. I mean, you know, as much as someone who's currently at their maximum intellectual capacity and maximum carrying capacity just in general for information, my husband likes to call it too many penguins, not enough iceberg. I have less than an iceberg. I have like a tiny little ice cube and like a vast penguin colony. Anyway, as part of this journey, I'm diving into the fascial and the lymph systems and my mind is absolutely blown away time and time again. So I'm really excited because my favorite biomechanist, and yes, it is a thing to have a favorite biomechanist, Katie Bowman. Many of you have probably heard of her. She has a book coming out in May, which is a few months from now, and I'll be interviewing her ahead of that for my other podcast, which you should also be listening to, the Balanced Bites podcast. And in preparing myself for that, getting really excited about all of this information that's coming in, that's really been not a blind spot for me, but certainly a space where continued and augmented learning was needed. Of course, I've always known movement is important. Taking a walk is important. Maintaining muscle mass is important. But over the last couple of years, this journey that I've been on where I've incorporated different modalities that manipulate the fascial tissue and that manipulate or work into the muscle tissue. And as I learn about the varying ways to program exercise, all of this sort of works together into this biomechanical view of health that I just did not truly understand before. And, you know, ignorance is bliss in some ways. I don't feel like I really missed any key and a lock that I really should have understood or really should have known about. But as I'm learning more, I'm just realizing the amazing, vast opportunities out there for really creating wellness where maybe there was a total blind spot before. And I'm so excited about it. And by the way, in leaning into all the information out there on these beautiful, complex, incredible, misunderstood tissues that comprise who we are, 
I'm also realizing that I'm really spot on in some of my recommendations around even simple little things like ditching restrictive clothing. And in particular, you've heard me talk about this, ditching the underwire bra. There are so, so many things that we could be doing, and many of them are probably bigger, better things that we could be doing. But this one's just such a no-brainer, and all it requires is just making a swap. And the swap I made was to the Vibrant Body Bra and also the Vibrant Body Shelfie Tank, which I really like, both because I love the technology, which is patented, by the way, but also because it's a small business run by really, really good people who make really, really good products. I know there are a lot of undergarment companies out there. I get ads for them in my Instagram all the time, but many of those have like literal venture capital money behind them. And the Vibrant Body Company is a small company. It's a really, really great business and the people there, I just love them. So whether you choose Vibrant Body Company or not, just ditch the underwire. See if you can go a little bit less restrictive in the clothes that you wear. Now, I don't wear jeans anymore. Well, sometimes I do, but very, very rarely. So I'm wearing yoga pants, right? And in some ways those are restrictive, but the ones that I choose are those really, really soft, stretchy, light as air type of yoga pants. So that, you know, it's not a lateral shift. It's a step up. It's a step step up from those really tight, restrictive workout pants, which I still wear those when I really want to feel held in, especially when I'm doing more active, more plyometric type of stuff in a workout. But on the day-to-day, it's not jeans. It's nothing that's really pinching me at the waist. It's these really, really stretchy, light-as-air yoga pants and a vibrant body bra. It's not a sports bra because sports bras can actually be really restrictive and really, really tight. The vibrant body bra is not. So that's really kind of the daily uniform. So again, whether you choose vibrant body or not, just ditch the underwire. And if you do choose Vibrant, use my link to realfoodliz.com slash Vibrant and use the discount code LIZ15, all caps, L-I-Z-1-5, all caps. Cool. All right, this episode today is maybe not going to feel like it applies to everybody, but maybe just keep listening, even if you think it doesn't apply to you, because what I have to say might actually give you a window into what actually goes on in the creation and putting together of a podcast. And maybe, especially like with a grassroots show like mine, maybe this is going to help you not just identify the labor of love that goes into creating these things, but also maybe it'll help you identify, you know, those fraudsters, those people who are just talking out of their, talking out of their you-know-whats and actually just trying to create content for the sake of making money. And you may or may not have noticed, that's clearly not me. I'm only just now remembering to put in my sponsorship spots, my hey, get on my email list spots. I'm going to try and be better about that. I really need to be better about that because in the end, I can't do this unless it's paying for itself. I've said that before. So I'm going to try and get better about that stuff, but I promise you it's all going to be part and parcel to what I advocate and what I'm already talking about. I would never probably be approached by a sponsor, but I was all, would also never take on a sponsor that didn't actually have some relevance, some contact with what I'm already doing or what I already care about. So I'm going to really work to talk more about the brands that I love, the connections that I have, and the projects that I've created that would be useful to you. I know that they're useful, useful things, and, and I'm going to be less you know, ashamed actually about talking about them. All right. So I get all the questions about starting a podcast. And my opinion is, I used to say 10 years ago, I was like, you should start a blog. Everybody should be blogging. Now my feeling is 
everybody should be podcasting. It's one of the best ways that we have to really get to know one another in a really authentic way, especially, you know, this being a shorter form podcast, which is really intended for people who need those quick, quick bites of things in the carpool line or on their way to sports practice, on their way to the store. But also those longer form podcasts are really, really great way to just immerse yourself in a topic, but also into getting to know the person talking about that topic. And while it's important to remember to separate a message from a messenger, I also think there are times when getting to know the person that's actually putting a message out there can be really useful in sussing out whether what you're hearing is actually valid worth considering, worth turning over. So there are times, of course, when we want to not worry so much about who's delivering a message as long as the message itself is factual. But there are also times when wondering, hey, for example, who is this person that's telling me to use this product? Do they have stake in that product? Do they have a relationship with that product that they're not disclosing? Or do they have personal reasons for promoting something that might actually make it more of a benefit to them than a benefit to me? So I do think it's important that we're really getting to know the personalities that are making recommendations. I think it's worthwhile, a worthwhile endeavor. And I think, again, everyone should start a podcast because we all have something to say. It doesn't mean you have to be a podcaster forever, but if you have something to say now, something to talk about now, you never know whether or not there's an audience out there for you. And if you don't try it, you're never going to know. On top of that, communicating in this way, in the podcast way, is so much more timeless than communicating on Instagram. So if you're an influencer, or even if you're somebody that's just passionate about something that you talk about a lot on social media, remember that social media is like peeing in a pool. You put it in there, and you can never get it back out. You can never find it again. So social media, it's water under a bridge. You post it and it's gone. Nobody's looking at it anymore. They're only looking at the feed, right? But a podcast, especially depending on how it lives online, if it lives with a transcript on a website in addition to an actual podcast player or podcast host, it can really have a life that is continues and can kind of become exponentially more useful to people over time. So if you were to post something on Instagram about, say, intermittent fasting, that would be gone in a second. And anybody who didn't see that in the first 24 hours would not see it at all. By contrast, if you were to go search your podcast player for an episode about intermittent fasting or look and see what your favorite blogger, your favorite nutrition professional had to say about intermittent fasting, you would really probably scroll, you know, just scroll for a minute or two and you'd find it. So it has that prolonged life in that form that makes it so much more useful than what's going on in Instagram. Now, there's a balance because people find you through Instagram, but there are also other ways that that works and probably beyond the scope of today's podcast. If you're actually interested in that, there's a program that I put together very recently with four other very successful online entrepreneurs. It was called How She Grew, and it's an interview series where we talk about all the different ways to run a business online. And really, we did it in hopes of providing people with a everything you need to know type of resource that you can go in, you can listen, and you can pick and choose what actually applies to you. So you can go to howshegrew.com if you want to sort of learn more about how to establish yourself online. But suffice it to say that just being on Instagram or just being on TikTok is not going to do it for the vast majority of people. 
So yet another reason why I'm such a believer in the podcast medium. And, you know, it's why I'm here. It's why I do Liz Talks, and it's why I do the Balanced Bites podcast, why I brought that back. I'm not the greatest at speaking extemporaneously, at speaking off the cuff, but I do find that it's a really good way for people to get to know me and for me to put information out there that I feel is important, that I want to point people back to again and again, that perhaps people are more interested in consuming over what I would probably prefer to do, which is to write a blog post or write a book. But this is where we are in society, and it's all good. Another thing that I think is really, really good about podcasts is that at this point in time with the AI chatbot stuff where literally artificial intelligence can write an article for you, we don't know anymore if we're actually reading from the person that we think we're reading from. So if I wanted to write a post about intermittent fasting, at this point, I could have the internet do that for me. But if I want to get on here and talk authentically about something like that, about intermittent fasting, which incidentally is on my mind, because uh, about a week or two from now, I'm going to be talking to Michelle Shapiro, who's this amazing registered dietitian in New York, who is a regular on the Balanced Bites podcast. I'm going to be talking to her about intermittent fasting and all of that good stuff, compressed eating windows and what's actually useful and what actually qualifies as an eating disorder. So sorry to be picking on you intermittent fasting. But if you really want to know that you're getting information from a human being, a podcast is a pretty darn good way to, to screen for that. So right now, I mean, the whole chatbot AI thing just really freaks me out. I'm sure it's useful in some way. I hope it's used for good. But the bottom line is a blog post could have been written by AI at this point and a podcast you can really hear from the human being that you think you're hearing from. And you can kind of decide if you vibe with them, if they resonate, if what they have to say resonates with you. I think that's really important. Okay, so I admittedly might be a little bit of a dinosaur on this since there are things I've been doing for a long, long time, having podcasted for the better part of 10 years. So there probably are better ways. So what I'll try to do is I'll try to, I'll put this out into the universe, into the ether, and I'll see what comes back. I'll try to do a follow-up episode, taking into account feedback I get some people from people, but also um, bring on some tech whiz type folks that I'm, that I've got. Um, in the back of my mind. And and maybe we can sort of build on this. And in the meantime, maybe this will get you started. So first thing you'll need to do if you want to start a podcast, well, before you think about starting a podcast, figure out what you want to talk about, map it out a little bit. You don't have to be rigid about it, but kind of map out what you want to talk about, map out how and when you will find time to record. And I would say block out if you want to do and this is a quite an undertaking. If you decide you want to do an hour long podcast, which I do not recommend, if they end up being an hour, great. But I would say aim for like a 30 minute podcast, a 30 minute podcast, all taken into account from setup, recording, editing, and putting it out there into the world, you probably need to leave mm, at least three hours. For me, it would probably be four to six hours because I'm very detailed about what goes into the podcast, the research that goes into it ahead of time. But you know, if you're hopping on and talking about Britney Spears, you don't need to worry about doing your research, right? So I probably spend a lot more time 
on my podcast than maybe other folks in other genres and other categories, and that's totally fine. But leave yourself at least three times as much time as you will spend recording the podcast itself, the length of time that that podcast itself is going to occupy to be able to get all of this other stuff put together, get it loaded into your podcast host. And if you're going to distribute it on a place like social media, you're going to want to get those materials together as well, which is going to be beyond the scope of what I want to talk about today. I really just want to get the bare basics down and stop there and hopefully that'll be useful to you but we'll we'll just we'll we'll stick to the basics right now right stick to the basics stick to the basics that's coach kilmer all right basic 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 is before you start recording do not have a snack now of course you don't want your tummy growling most certainly you don't want your tummy growling if you're doing an interview but if you have any kind of snack or anything to sort of wet your palate within like 30 minutes to an hour of recording a podcast Obviously, it's inevitable sometimes, but if you do that, you will inevitably, sorry if this is gross, you will inevitably have more saliva coursing through your mouth than you want in a recording scenario. I'm not perfect about that, and I'm sorry to draw attention to that right now. It's kind of gross, but that's sort of one very important thing that I have found actually makes a big difference. Okay, now on to what you actually really, really need to know. I actually didn't have notes on that. That was that was off the cuff. All right. First thing, get your setup set up. Most people, when they think of podcasting, they think, what microphone do I need to use? And yes, I think most people doing a podcast, if you're on a really, really tight budget, you can use, you know, the normal microphone from your computer. You can use your headphones. Those are really good too. And actually the mic in your phone is actually really, really good as well. Better than the mic in your computer. But most folks who are really going to dive into podcasting are going to want a podcast microphone. Now, fancy microphones with like the foam filters, something that I learned recently from my web guy, Andy Torres, who's amazing, is that the foam filters are actually mostly for wind. They look really cool. They look like, you know, a cool podcast microphone. And most podcasters you'll see that release videos online of themselves podcasting will have microphones like that with the foam filters, but it's actually not really needed unless you're outside, you know, doing a interview on the, on the beat. You're doing something outside doing an interview and you need a foam wind filter. But other than that, not so much. If any filter is needed, it's a pop filter. And I use a pop filter. They're very cheap. You can get them on Amazon for like 10 bucks. They filter out the really poppy sounds that can hit your mic when you do a like a P, which you probably can't hear that right now since I'm using my pop filter. But the mic I use is the AKG mic. Before that, I was using a blue snowball or a Yeti mic actually. And both are great. I really do like the AKG mic though. And I record from the AKG mic, which does not have like a foam filter over it. You'll, it's a desktop microphone, which works great for me. I might upgrade at some point to something that doesn't have to sit at the desktop because I do tend to jiggle the desktop around a little bit. I might need something that kind of sits independently from my immediate working surface. So I use that. I use the AKG mic and I record it into GarageBand, which is not the most efficient way to do this, but it's the interface that I know and I understand. So it's what I use. Where I record is generally for Liz Talks in my closet. And I know we've talked about this before, but the closet has tons and tons and tons of sound absorbing fabrics, which makes the sound that much better, right? It doesn't sound like I'm recording this in a big empty room which happens sometimes depending on who you're interviewing and that's okay. 
for the Balanced Bites podcast, I tend to use more video content from that. So my backdrop is actually the setup that I have in my office. So I'm not in my closet for that. And the the sound absorbing situation is a little bit less ideal, but it still seem to, seems to work. And especially since I'm doing a lot of interviews there, there can be a pretty big discrepancy between the quality of the sound for an interviewer and the quality of sound for an interviewee. So when you're interviewing someone, oftentimes they don't have an ideal setup. They don't have a particular mic. They don't have a pop filter. They're often just using regular old headphones that came with their phone. And that's fine. And oftentimes they think, well, if I'm doing a lot of interviews, I think it's okay if the sound quality is a little bit closer, a little bit less lopsided. So I don't worry about that too much. But a closet or somewhere with fabric or sound absorbing panels is perfection. And that can be had without having to spend almost any money at all. So that's the good news. All right, next up, if you care at all, about editing your podcast files, and you don't have to. A lot of people will just put this stuff up there completely raw, unfiltered, exactly as recorded. I personally like to make things a little bit more enjoyable to listen to, especially if I'm doing an interview. So I do like to go back and edit out ums, filler words, large gaps in conversation, things like that, just to make the listen a little bit easier. Because I know me personally, when I'm listening to a podcast and there's tons of pauses and tons of ums, which of course I'm guilty of sometimes, but it can be really distracting. So I do like editing. At the same time, I also feel like time is money. And for a while there, I was just thinking, I do not have time to go into GarageBand and edit these files. Enter the amazing Diane Evans, who is one of my favorite nutrition resources on the planet. She's on Instagram. You can find her. She's great. We also used to work together, who recommended the service Descript to me. I have loved having a transcriptionist, like an actual person that transcribes my podcasts, because I personally do think it's important to have the transcripts of these podcasts online so that they're a little more Google searchable, more SEO friendly, so that people can find you a little bit more easily. So that's important to me. But at the same time, while I always like to pay real actual people, individuals, when I can, right now, it's important that I save some money. So for the time being, for transcripts and for editing, I've chosen to use the service Descript. Now, what Descript does is it takes your sound file, transcribes it automatically, and then you can go in and you can edit it just like a Word document. You can delete a word and it will be deleted from the sound file. It's incredible. It's fairly affordable, especially when you consider that time is money. So even if you're not really getting a return on your investment for your podcast yet, I think Descript is probably a really good, intelligent expenditure that you should consider because it also does all of those things, right? Rather than having a separate transcriptionist, a separate editor, you can do all of these things at once. You can also pull video clips, which I do. You can mark quotes for use on social media. There are a lot of different things that you can do with it. So I do think that transcripts are important. Now, the one thing about Descript that you don't have to deal with with an actual person transcribing your podcast is that it does make mistakes. So you're either going to have to put that transcript up there and not worry about all of the the spelling mistakes or the word replacements that it does, or you'll have to go through with a fine tooth comb and make sure it got everything. I personally will generally just leave the misspellings up there. And I put a little disclaimer on the website that says this is an automated transcript. So some words will be transcribed incorrectly. And I think that's plenty. 
By the way, another little tip is don't do a podcast with a cough drop in your mouth, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. So I, I apologize, folks. All right. After Descript, this, I'm going to go back into the recording portion of what you're doing. And that is to mind your likes. And oh, by the way, you can record directly into Descript. That's not something I do yet. I might do that in the future. All right, back to the next one. Mind your filler words, your likes, your ums, your you knows, and your sort ofs, and all of those things that we as human beings tend to use to fill space when we're not quite sure where we're going next. I do this all the time, and I don't take all of them out. Oftentimes, I'll also kind of take deep deep breaths and long pauses, which I believe can be distracting, but it's also inevitable, right? If you're an actual human being speaking off the cup extemporaneously, you're going to have that happen now and then. And I think it kind of adds to that realism, the fact that you are actually listening to a human being, not someone that's reading from a script. I think that can be helpful. So in general, your podcaster, whoever it is you're listening to should make some, you know, foible, foibles here and there, some likes, some ums, some long pauses, some deep breaths, that's fine. But if you're going on there and every other word is like and um and so, you know, and sort of, you know, uh, it goes and that is really distracting. The good thing is you can get rid of most of those with a service like Descript, but that also takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. Some people are up for that. Some folks, it's not a good use of time. I am both up for it and it is not a good use of my time. So double jeopardy, right? All right, next up. This is a small thing and I forget it all the time. Smile and be expressive while you talk. I'm moving my hands around. I'm speaking with my hands. I'm trying to keep my mouth kind of in that smile type expression because you can tell, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say a sentence right now with my mouth kind of down. Smile and be expressive when you talk. Now I'm going to say it when I'm smiling. Smile and be expressive when you talk. Something about sort of keeping your mouth in that shape, that smile look causes the way you speak to be more buoyant and more interested, more excited. And that really translates, I think, to the listener. So now you can think about me sitting here smiling and moving my hands around, sitting in my dark closet and recording a podcast. Next up, you will need to choose a podcast host. You need a host that, in effect, distributes your podcast to all the different places that it can live, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify would be the top two. I use Buzzsprout for this podcast and Libsyn for Balanced Bites, and I'll eventually merge the two into another service that is actually more affordable, but it's not yet ready for prime time, but I'll be excited to share with you when it is. So the good thing about these is that you can create podcast footers, that basically the description, the show notes that are the same every time, you can also add to them. So for me, if I wanted every single episode to have information about where to find me, how to get on my email list, it can live there permanently without you having to enter it every single time. But you can also modify what's actually in the in the show notes themselves. So you've got the show notes that you can modify, and then you've got the footer that you can basically keep static for the life of your podcast, which is just one of those things that takes something off of your plate that's actually really nice. Okay, finally, 
don't miss the opportunity to monetize. I know that podcasts generally are something that people like me think about as a service they provide to their listeners, but there is a point at which you have to be ready for the opportunity to actually make money for your efforts. And that's, this is something Noelle Tarr tells me all the time. Noelle Tarr is the host of the Well-Fed Women podcast, and she's a wonderful businesswoman, business mind. And she's like, podcasts across the map are putting in multiple sponsor spots that have nothing even to do with the podcast itself. They'll put in almost anything from someone that will pay them to do it. Of course, that's not how we work. That's not how Noel works. But the fact is, listeners, including me, the podcast that I listen to, listeners sort of expect that they're going to have to listen to an ad or two during the course of the podcast. And if it's an ad that actually really is important to the person creating the podcast, for example, me and the Vibrant Body Company, love, love, love the product, have had hardly any complaints about it other than like if people accidentally order the wrong size and then the company takes care of it. I'm really, really careful about who I talk about, probably too careful because I have some products, some services, some some outlets, some informational products that I absolutely love that I use constantly that I keep myself from talking about because I don't want to become the podcast with all the ads. But what I have to remember and what Noelle reminds me of is that we are genuinely trying to help people, not only by putting this podcast out, but by also recommending products that could help them. So be on the lookout for opportunities to monetize that make sense, that dovetail with your overall mission. All right. And here's another small thing. If you're going to have a podcast and you want to do interviews on it, when asking others to do interviews on your podcast, being business-like helps in that it makes you look like you bothered to edit your email, your your reaching out email. But being overly business-like, to me personally, is just fatal. You've got to show your personality, and in particular, how it connects with the personality of the individual you'd like to interview. Now, another thing that I think is important is that you have actually listened to or consumed some of the work of the person that you would like to interview, because that connection, that awareness is going to make the interview really, really good. You can always tell when somebody's either just on a podcast to promote themselves or when somebody is interviewing someone just for the sake of getting additional traffic to their podcast when they actually have no clue who this person is, right? So that is is really important to strike that balance. And a lot of that happens in the reach out. Finally, the last thing I wanted to say is that video interviews, using video helps a ton. I use Zoom just because there's no learning curve there. At this point, everybody knows how to use Zoom. But there's also a service called Zencaster. And while there might be a bit of a learning curve there, the great thing about Zencaster is that it records two different files. One file, that's actually the great thing and the difficult thing about it, it records one file for you and your part, your speaking part, and one file for the person you're interviewing. So that that way, the voice won't sort of short out or blank out when, for example, both of you talk at once. That can be a problem with Zoom when you and the interviewee are both talking at the same time and the sound kind of shorts out a little bit. That's something that you can avoid with services like Zencaster. But as you build, as you continue to sort of layer complexity into your podcast endeavor, these things might become more worth it. You might end up wanting to pay for these things more so than that you did at the beginning. 
So that's really everything that I wanted to share about getting started with podcasting. And I really hope it's helpful. And I would also love to hear from anybody who's more experienced than I am, has more ideas that I can share with my audience, because I know that there are people out there that have a lot of valuable information and they're just trying to figure out a way to distribute it. And whether you do that in five-minute tidbits or five-hour marathon podcasts, there is a place for you in the podcast world. Now, I think this is a good time before I wrap it up to remind you to join me on my email list. I know you get a ton of emails to your inbox, but if you're here listening to this podcast, you probably think I've got something interesting to share. So you belong with me there. So you can go to realfoodliz.com slash email, or you can just shoot me your email via Instagram, however you want to do it. Let me add you to the insider track, realfoodliz.com slash email. All right, I hope this was helpful. And luckily, the nap was not busted as I anticipated. I've got a sleeping kid. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a little stuff around the house before she wakes up. Maybe have a little snacky snack. Thanks for joining me, folks. That's it for this episode of Liz Talks. Big thank you to my affiliates and to you for making this episode possible. Be sure to check me out at the new Balanced Bites podcast, by the way. We talk nutrition, fitness, and life over there as well, with more of an emphasis on expert interviews and translating complex ideas and science into actionable takeaways. Remember, you can ask me anything by going to realfoodliz.com slash askliz. I appreciate you. I'll see you next week. 